Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is a Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 160. Shut boom, up. boom, boom. Yes, boom, 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 boom. Come boom, boom, boom. on me. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, the sock wearing, trumpet blaring, beat mix master podcast blaster, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me in session 160 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. That intro song I beatboxed was Maroon 5 Sugar, and I highly recommend watching that video. Just it can't help but make you happy. <laughs> so Maroon 5 Sugar, check it out. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited because today's guest was introduced to me by somebody who had also introduced a previous guest who had made a huge impact in my life. So Lewis House was the connection here. Lewis House from lewishouse.com, also a previous guest on this podcast. He's the one who introduced me to Adam Braun, the founder of pencilsofpromise.org back in episode 102, where he actually inspired me to think beyond the money and bigger and what else I can do to help people. And he's the one who inspired me to do a birthday campaign last year to build a couple schools in Ghana. And for those of you who don't know, just to keep you updated, especially for those of you who donated to that particular campaign, and thank you so much, I'm actually headed there on June 4th. So I'm going to Ghana for a few days, Ghana, Africa, that's right. And I'm going to be bringing Caleb along, my videographer. We're going to be filming the schools. I'm going to show you kind of what you guys made an impact on. And I'll bring that back into, I think, maybe July or August's episodes of SPI TV at watchspitv.com. So look out for that. And again, thank you so much for those of you who have donated to that campaign. It's just, I already know it's going to be a life-changing experience. And speaking of life-changing Today's guest, Dale Partridge, he's an author of a brand new book called People Over Profit with a lot of the same philosophies, thinking beyond just the business and beyond money, but who you can help and for bigger causes and social good. Somebody who I know is gonna inspire you like he inspired me. And it's just really exciting to know that, you know, I have friends like Lewis Howes who can connect me to these amazing people who help me think beyond just my immediate network and immediate uh, surroundings and what I could do to help others in a much bigger way. I mean, that's sort of my mantra for the next few years is think bigger, think bigger. That's why Elon Musk is is such a big inspiration to me right now. Just he he has he knows no boundaries in terms of what is possible, and I, and I want to think that way too. 
And so Adam Braun, thanks to Lewis Howes, and also today's guest, Dale Partridge, all helping me think much bigger. And hopefully this episode and this interview will help you think much bigger too. So here we go. Dale Partridge over at peopleoverprofit.com slash SPI. Hey, Dale, what's up? Welcome to the SPA podcast. How are you? Dude, super stoked to be here. Man, I'm super stoked for you because you're coming out with a book that has a title that just like super resonates with me, People Over Profit. And we're going to talk about your book and, and its contents in a little bit. But just first of all, congratulations on on the book. And, and you know, I've had so many people who have been on the show before tell me that, oh, dude, you got to get Dale on the show. And so I'm really excited to have you on. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long journey. Started so many different companies and then finally kind of got a chance to start writing about my philosophy on business. And, uh, you know, people always say, you know, the book's titled People Over Profit, right? So people are like, oh, man, uh, you know, is this like socialism or is this some crazy, <laughs> you know, version of capitalism? Like, no, it's not people instead of profit. Um, it's it's how we value people over profit. So it's been a cool journey to to finally get a chance to share. Yeah, I love that. And it, it resonates with something that I always say, which is your, your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. It's something that I'm known for saying. So I'm, I'm excited to dive into that. But let's talk about your story. A little bit like how did you get started with building companies and and then how did you get to where you're at today yeah so you know i, I grew up and my dad uh used to come home in the morning and he he would say this quote to me and say dale you know today i'm wearing the golden handcuffs and you know as a young child i had no idea what the heck he was talking about and uh, i realized as i got older that he was saying dale i have a job that's just too good to leave and um, he he hated his his career almost the entirety of my childhood. I remember him walking in, going, "Gosh, like he couldn't leave. He was making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year back in nineteen ninety, right? Yes. Um, this is incredible." And he had great benefits, and and it was a great job uh, at General Electric. What I didn't realize is that he was kind of grooming me to be an entrepreneur or a um, self enterprising child. I mean, I was I was always starting businesses, and he was always encouraging me, and he was always supporting me. From selling can or selling boxes to, to collecting cans to selling candy at high school and like I was a little straight you know candy drug dealer in junior <laughs> high. And as I look back, I really I realized that this wasn't a statement he was making. I mean, he was making this invitation to me. He was making this invitation of saying, you know, I, I want I want you to be an entrepreneur. You know, an invitation to kind of pave my own way. By the time I was actually nineteen, I started my first company, grew to about six employees, sold it for fifty grand. Uh, started my um, my second company, uh, which was a uh, rock climbing gym. I, I started a, an 8,000 square foot rock climbing gym in Southern California. Wow. Uh, grew that to about 20 employees, raised a half million dollars to start that and uh, got fired from my own company, uh, which was the, probably one of the, the biggest growth experiences of my life. Um, I realized that I wasn't as great of a leader as I thought I was. Um, got wow. a chance to have some smack truth reality put into me and, and uh, push me into a season of even more growth. Took some money from that, from, from getting out of that business and said, hey, I think it's really time to learn how to play the stock market, right? This is like 2006, maybe. Mm -hmm. Pre-crash, but actually a decent time. I invested in a company that we all love, or that many of us love. It's called Chipotle because I was an addict of their burritos. And uh, I bought on the day that they IPO'd at $21 a share. They're, I don't know if you looked recently, but they're you know over $600 a share now. I sold at $121 a share because I thought there's no way mm -hmm. that they could get any bigger, right? And I uh, lost a bunch of money on solar stocks. Uh, tried to figure out what the heck I was doing in life. I realized that success wasn't fixing me. And I, I realized that putting six figures in my pocket really wasn't making me feel any better about myself. And I wanted to figure out how I could blend a purpose and profit. I wanted to figure out how I could kind of flip capitalism upside down. I wanted to figure out what it looked like to create a company 
that would actually change something in the world. I started, you know, searching everywhere for it. I started a conference company and I wrote another book and then I, I started an advertising agency and, and all with great success. But then it hit me. Um, I had a conversation in the middle of the night, probably about 1230 at night with a friend of mine uh, who spent the night at my house who had, you know, three or 4 million fans on Facebook. And, and we were talking about starting a business together. And we talked about how many charities are going out of business. And we thought, well, um, why are they going out of business? Is it lack of awareness? Is it lack of funding? We realized that it was both. We thought, what if we create a company that every week we, we give $7 to every, you know, for, for every item we sell uh, to this charity? And that was the birth of sevenly.org, which is probably one of my, probably my largest company that um, I had started. And this is in 2011. And this was just a roller coaster of life. Um, and I'm, I'm, a lot of people have heard of the company, but we grew the company from about zero to 50 employees in about two and a half years, $10 million a year, um, and raised about $2 million in venture capital, did the whole San Francisco thing. But also mm-hmm. we gave away $4.2 million in $7 donations to charity, wow. which is just mind blowing even to this day for me. It's very humbling. But it was at this moment that I learned that companies can grow faster than people. And that was a scary statement to, to, to really take on and realize that I couldn't read enough books. Um, I couldn't listen to enough podcasts. I couldn't, I couldn't to keep up with the demand of my $275,000 every two-week payroll. And uh, to, to manage that and to, to understand that I'm a creative entrepreneur. And it was hard for me to go, like, I got to let go. And, and um, I ran into panic attacks, anxiety attacks, uh, insomnia. It took us down a, an interesting road of of um, entrepreneurship, which really ultimately created uh, the reasoning and, and the beliefs of my philosophy for for writing this book here. Yeah, I mean, what an incredible journey! And and for suddenly, just like wow, just I'm so because I'm starting to do a lot more philanthropic stuff after getting successful here on Smart Passive Income. I've built a couple of schools in Ghana last year through PencilsOfPromise.org, and I'm always looking for bigger things to do. And this is just completely inspiring. Oh, man, that's just so, sorry, I'm just, my mind's, my mind's going crazy right now because I, I love connecting with people who are always doing things for the greater good. And, and, and so can you talk more about, I mean, what, what this means, people over, over profit? I mean, let's get, let's, let's get right into the book and everything that we can, you know, learn from it. Um, most of my audience, they're just starting out online or have a business and are, and are struggling to make money for themselves. Yeah, I don't even think a lot of them even can begin to think about how can they take what they're making from their business and, and turning that into something even even bigger. How, do, yeah. how, how does one be able to do that? Yeah, you know, so it's a hard decision, right? Um, and I, you know, I've since sold most of my stock in the company because I, you know, I wanted a, a little bit of a shift direction and uh, tons of purpose and, and seven, it was great, but ultimately just, um, you know, wanted to, to shift into a new, uh, more of a lifestyle business that mm-hmm. was less stressful and you know that's what I'm doing now. But uh, I'll tell you, and we still have great relationships with Sevenly, and and um, still have some great input in the company. But I'll tell you, as a new entrepreneur trying to figure out how to integrate social good, it's hard. I mean, you're learning it right now, Pat, as you're trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one takeaway from the book is that you know generosity needs to be built in, not tacked on, and that's a really hard thing to do as a, as a new entrepreneur. So like when I I uh, I just launched my new company, StartupCamp.com. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, like, how do I integrate good here? You know, I, it's not going to be maybe as, is fully implemented like it was at Sevenly, but it's not going to be, you know, I'm not going to create a business that doesn't have it involved at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to, to say, okay, 
let's just build it in. So I said, I called Scott Harrison up at Charity Water and I said, hey man, I want to help. You know, I love your charity. Out of all the charities that I've worked with, I've worked with you know, obviously hundreds through Sevenly. Uh, Scott still continues to crush it in every area. And I said, hey, I want to give, you know, $2.50 per month per membership at Startup Camp to you guys. And he loved that. And it was small. Uh, you know, last last month, I think I cut a check for $1,200 uh, to them. But it's it's still, it's built in. It's not tacked on. It's something small. And it's hard to add on later. I mean, you're seeing this now probably, Pat, is that uh, when you don't build it in from the beginning, it's hard to go, okay, I have to decide how much money I want to give. Um, right. One lesson that I learned is, you know, when I look at the success of social good models is, is there's, you know, we know positive and negative knowledge gaps, right? So I talk about this in the book too, is that it's, it's a positive knowledge gap is like saying something like, um, Pat, you have the second best podcast I've heard all year. You know, you're immediately thinking, well, what's the first, right? Mm -hmm. That's having someone lean in. Well, a negative knowledge gap is when you say, you know, we give 100% of the profits to charity. Your mind is thinking, well, how, how much is 100% of the profits? And how do you do that, right? Or, or we give 10% of our, all of our revenue to charity. Again, th- these are great, noble ideas, but they're very confusing to the consumer psychology. So, I mean, the reason Tom's was so stinking successful was that it was, you buy a pair, you give a pair, mm-hmm. right? Sevenly was, you buy a product, we give $7. And we would even quantify it even more by saying like, hey, if you, if you buy a product, give $7 this week, that $7 will feed a child for a month. You know, so it's constantly removing any knowledge gap that some of these consumers might have. And that's what I would say start with is, is how, can you, how can you start with anything? I mean, anything is better than nothing in the generosity game. And, and at the end of the day, there's, there's no better ROI in the world than uh, knowing the fact that you, you kept people alive. You know, like, yeah. you know, that, that you've saved girls from sex trafficking, that you've, you know, helped some family that's struggling with a child with autism. I mean, whatever your case may be, uh, or your cause may be like, these are the things that are so incredibly important for businesses to think about. It's always become like an afterthought for people like, oh, now I'm finally making money. Now I have something to do with it. So I like the idea of kind of thinking about that and also using that as inspiration in the beginning to to really move forward with what you need to do. But it's always easy to just be like, okay, well, here's here's a charity and I'll donate. Like, how can you make it really be something that your audience can see with these products that you're going to sell, that this is actually something that's meaningful to you versus just like you said, something that's tacked on? Yeah, you know, what I do is I always do a report every month and I, I say, you know, to my, in our private Facebook group or whatever, I say, hey guys, I just want to let you guys know I cut the check this month. Here's a photo of it. Like we gave this much to this group. Scott, you know, said that, you know, this month the money's going to start going to Ghana uh, or next month, maybe it might go to Burundi or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. we try to get photos to, to reinforce those, those changes and remind people of what that does. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's real, it's a real struggle. Like every month, like sometimes I struggle with it. I'm like, gosh, like I don't want to cut this check, you know, like, it's greed that gets into my mind and I go like, I need this more. You know, like I only made $50,000 this month. Like I need, I need, I need to make $51,000. Like it's, it's so ridiculous in our minds. And that's why, you, you know, generosity is one of these things that it's a lifelong lesson that, uh, and it's really based in love. I mean, it's the idea of abundance and need, right? And, and anytime you can connect abundance with need, you're winning. You know, that, that's, that's what I've been trying to do in business is try to figure out how we can connect those two in a way that makes sense for people. Um, and it's baby steps, man. Like you don't need to drop in and like start being the sevenly of the world, you know, like mm-hmm. come in and do what I'm doing at $2.50 per $100 membership. It's, it's, it's a simple way to kind of get started. Is it always money? Can charity be done in different ways beyond just, you know, cutting a check and putting a Absolutely. portion of it? Yeah. I, do, I, do you have I, any I, examples of that? Or? Yeah, I have a quote in the book that says generosity is rarely about money. 
I mean, it's almost never about money. I mean, we only talk about about money, but ultimately generosity is like so much about time. It's, it's so much about listening. Um, I mean, sometimes like, you know, you, you just, it's serving. I mean, again, it's, we, the, the, the main two things are time and money, but the time function has so many different variables and forms of it. Um, so we, we, you know, we have a chance in our companies to be very generous with our employees and with our time. And I used to do this at Sevenly and I would, I try to spend as much time as I possibly could with, with the staff walking around, working on my company, not in it as much to really make sure that I had that focus. And being generous is another way. Like I created a, a job title for someone called the chief culture creator. His job was to just make sure that our employees felt taken care of. You know, when you, when you grow a company quickly, you'll realize that the number one thing that, that'll stop you is, is the ability to keep everybody happy. Um, so I, 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 and it's, it's a true need. Um, and again, so I thought, okay, I need to spend, a, you know, an, an $80,000 salary to find someone who's really worth uh, the ability to, to be very generous with these people. And that, that's a form of generosity. It's, it's ultimately caring about people and it's putting people above, above profits. I mean, we all need profit to survive. Uh, we know that. But it's, it's this core of saying, oh, like, I really care about people and I want to make sure that they feel like that they, that they know that I know that. For people who are just starting out and who are probably not even thinking about anything like this because they're still worried about even just turning a profit for themselves, how can we help inspire them to, you know, think in this, in this way when, you know, maybe at the time in their business right now, it's not plausible? Yeah, I mean, when I build a case in the book, I say, I believe and I, that, valuing people over profit actually makes you more profitable. And it's, I, I, I would say that I prove this through the book. That, and, and the companies that I talk about are, you know, I talk about Whole Foods and Patagonia and In-N-Out Burger and Chick-fil-A and Ben and & Jerry's and, you know, uh, Tom Shoes and, uh, you know, uh, there's a handful of other companies that Airbnb and some of these other great brands that are out there. And I, I look at these companies and their growth rates and, and also their employee retention rates and, and their brand perception and the things that they've done, and they've had all these same qualities. Uh, it's so interesting that they, they share all these same qualities. And they don't even know it. Like these qualities aren't written on their websites. They're not written on the door on the building. They're, they're not written on the walls inside their HQ. They're, they're, they're just things that are done because of some sort of innate structural emotional leadership in the leaders of the company. And it, you know what's even crazier is that these things have... Like you'll never see these in Fast Company. You'll never see them in... Entrepreneur Magazine, there are things that are not in Harvard Business Review. There are things that are taught to us in kindergarten. They're the very basic things that humans have struggled with forever um, to not lie, you know, to, to, um, to be yourself, to, to be transparent, to be authentic, to be generous, to share, to care about one another. It's the leaders that have been able to like lock down those lessons in a business mindset that just kick and they build these incredible cultures of people that work way harder than cultures without it. And they build up this, this consumer business relationship that is incredibly powerful that you, you think, why would you do business any other way? Mm. But people still do. Um, so, so yeah, so these are some of these companies that these stories that I get a chance to sell at Southwest, we all hear their incredible stories and, and, um, you know, some new companies like Buffer and uh, it's just a fun, a fun book uh, proving that, that at the end of the day, love always wins. It always has. It always won. It always will. Truth. It does too. It wins. It always has. It always will. And we got to just harness these things as business leaders to just like crush it through the marketplace with integrity 
with a good name where people like you. You don't have to be one of these, you know, idiotic, you know, leaders that go, hey man, it's just business. It's not personal. Like mm. those people are like the worst people on the planet. They're super dangerous. And um, and because it is personal, right? We know that. Um, so this is this is the the kind of the backbone of the book is is really kind of coming back to the core things of what it means to be a, a good leader. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I've I've seen just in all industries the sort of transparency and the honesty movement and that having a huge impact on the success of those businesses. I mean, that's something I incorporate into my business all the time, uh, being it online in the internet marketing space. I mean, that that is why I am where I'm at today is just because I've been completely honest with people. And I think more people need to understand that that's what you have to do now or else you yeah. kind of just look like you're hiding something. Well, it, it's one of those things, like I said, like people, could, we have a, uh, an incredible BS meter, right? We mm-hmm. can, we can, we can sense that, especially anytime after a recession, consumerism is in, like increasingly skeptical. And I mean, we're still following like the, the 2008 fall, right? So like we're, you know, we don't trust brands. Capitalism is a dirty word. We're trying to figure out what, it, you know, what business was meant to be like. Um, I give a great story in the book and I talk about 1965, the employee to uh, CEO pay ratio was like 20 to one. So if you made say forty thousand uh, bucks, your your CEO would make eight hundred grand. Uh, this is great, right? This is like a, a a decent balance. I mean, I would even argue that you know the CEO has right to make more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's the right to make as much as they want at the end of the day. Um, but you know, as this as we go in time, I started realizing I started doing this study, and so nineteen seventy five, uh, just fifteen years later, that shifted up to hundred and fifty to one. Okay, and then so I mean, talk about a massive massive increase in the in the gap between employees and CEOs on publicly traded companies. This is all getting all public information. We get up to like 1990 and we're talking like almost like 300 to one. Then we get into 2008 and we're at 400 to one, right? Uh, then we move into, you know, some like 2012 and we see companies like Walmart or um, or like JCPenney, like 1,745 to one. Like their CEOs are making more in an hour than their most of their company or most of their employees do all year. It's just mind-boggling, right? And and again, at the end of the day, it's just greed. I'm like thinking like, why aren't you investing this into your company? Why aren't you investing this into your people? Take a two million, four million, eight million dollar salary, whatever it is, but but just make sure that you got you have to have a point and you go, you know, hey, this is enough. You know, this is it, that's not capitalism. That is that's ugly, disgusting business, you know. Um, and we know that there's no bad business, it's just bad leaders, right? So, you know, this is what I'm here to help repair is to say, let's get this message in the hearts and minds of entrepreneurs, of managers, of executives, of CEOs to see if we could turn the world around a bit. Yeah. I mean, this book's great. I love the way it's broken down. I love the quotes in there. I saw a quote by Anne Frank, nobody's ever gotten poor by giving. And so that's one of my favorite quotes of all time too. And so T- tell me about actually the book writing process. Every time I have authors come on, I always ask about the book writing process because that's something I'm very interested in. So you went traditionally published and yep. you know, how long did it take you from the moment you started writing to kind of yesterday when it came out? Yeah, it took some, took about 20 months, which is a long time. Um, I mean, it is a little bit of an antiquated uh, system. Uh, it's a really good system to go through to, to, to kind of feel out what it takes really to, to, to work with a publisher, to, to get a PR plan together, to get... Um, a marketing campaign together to to rally everybody you know <laughs> to help support the mission of it to try to hit the New York Times list. I mean, all these things. Uh, the writing process was really unique. Um, I'm a blogger, right? So so you know when I when I blog at Startup Camp, 
Um, they're short, you know, 800 to 1,000 word articles, and they're really easy for me. Uh, writing a book, which is, is a short book. I hate long books because there's so many books that I've, I've read halfway through. Um, mm. So I wrote this book. It's 32,000 words, which is about half the size of a normal business book. Uh, I wanted to keep it short, but still writing 32,000 words took the life out of me. I mean, it was so hard. It took me, it took me probably four months um, to get it done. And then uh, I actually hired a, uh, what, what I call a chief editor. Um, it's someone between a, you know, there's services where you would get, you know, people hear about ghostwriters. Well, a real mm -hmm. ghostwriter, there's no person that's like, hey, just write a book and then like bring it to me later. That doesn't mm -hmm. exist. Like a, a real ghostwriter would say, okay, hey, I want to I wanna write a book, but you need to give me the content. I'll just write it. And then there's what another service, which is called kind of like a light write, where you, where you kind of write the first draft and then you have like another really seasoned writer come in and like manipulate it with your guidance. Mm -hmm. And then you have like a chief editor that's like, you write it, you edit it, and then he's going to come in here and help with transition and tone and like make sure that, that it's like a book, that it reads like a book and not like 20 articles, 20 <laughs> long articles, right? Right, right. Um, so that's what I did. I, I hired a guy and it was great to learn how to write because I thought I knew how to write and uh, I knew how to write articles. I don't know how to write books. Um, and yeah, we got that experience and, and locked it down. And because we did that, I sent it to my editor or my publisher and they're like, man, this thing's almost like ready to go. Like good work, you know, it saved us a ton of back and forth, mm -hmm. um, on the edits and, uh, yeah, just super, super stoked. And, uh, you know, I'll probably continue to write, you know, every two years it's, it's a, I think it's kind of a good timing to come up with a new book is, you know, you want to focus on it for a couple of years and get that message out. So it does have a, a cool life cycle there. That's cool. A lot of people who I talk to who've completed their first book say, I will never do that again. Yeah. Uh, so that's good that you, that you want to keep doing it. And actually, when your publisher sent me a, a preview, sort of advanced reader's copy, um, it was really cool how it came because it came in this box or in this package. But then the book was inside this little sack or, or little uh, bag. Was, yeah. And it, and it has a quote on it with a hashtag. So the, this one says, I don't know if they're all different or not or if they're all the same. But this one says, how you make employees feel about themselves says a lot about your business. And then hashtag people over profit. So I think that that's obviously super smart for, for marketing purposes. And you have those quotes with the hashtag throughout the book, which I think is cool. But just that, that I mean, I, that was something when I got that and I opened it, I was like, wow. I'm excited to interview Dale because he pays attention to those small details. And you had mentioned before we started recording that that's something you'd love to do. How, how, like, it just seems like you, you, you know how to make people remember you. Can you yeah. talk more about that? Yeah. You know, it's a hard thing. Um, I, I, I remember, uh, I, I would, I'll actually say this. I, again, I, I talk about this in, a, in one of the later chapters, but I say that design has been one of the things that really drove me as an entrepreneur. I mean, I'm a designer by trade, I'm a creative by trade. I, I will commit most of my success to my ability to pay attention to small details. And I think the design has very little to do with knowing how to use Photoshop and the tools. It has everything to do with developing your eye. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly developing my eye for what's beautiful. And, and um, whether it's furniture, whether it's, you know, packaging, whether it's, you know, uh, graphic design for my business card. I always ask myself the question before I put anything out, is there anything that I can do that's a little, that'll make this a lot better for a little bit of money? The answer is almost always yes. I mean, it's, it's actually, I've never had a no to that. Mm -hmm. And when I was sending out the book, I, I, said, I said to myself, uh, what can we do to make this a lot better for a little bit of money? And I, uh, I thought, okay, everybody, I, you know, I, I'm uh, in the, the author space, so I get sent a lot of books with letters and different things. And, mm -hmm. and um, so I thought, okay, I want to just stand out and be a little bit different, right? Because branding at the core is just 
differentiation, right? I mean, we want to look, we want to figure out how to be an orange dot in a sea of gray dots, right? Yeah. I called up Uline and I said, hey, do you guys have these really cool parts bags? They're like canvas parts bags. Um, I was like, if I bought, you know, a thousand of them, how much would that cost? And they're like, oh, it's going to cost you six cents a bag. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so I got this bag for six cents. And then I, I called a screen printer and said, how much would it cost to print um, some quotes on these books? And, and uh, he, he said, oh, you know, I think we can do it for about 20 cents of print. Uh, it's one color, black, easy. And so I thought for 26 cents, I can, I can really change, change the difference of this uh, experience for, for people and, and, um, and especially the influencers that get these bags and the press and all that kind of stuff. And um, so if you order from me, um, my book, you know, from peopleoverprofit.com uh, forward slash SPI, I have a deal for you guys there. Uh, you'll, get, you'll get your copy inside that bag too. That's awesome. I love that. So just a few cents, just really it's not about you know, I mean, that's not that much money, but you just took a little bit of time to actually think things through and differentiate yourself. I think that's something we could all learn from for sure. Absolutely. It's, and it's, it, again, it's, it's looking at costs because we got to be real, right? Costs are real. Um, but yeah, there's always something you can usually add for a quarter that'll change the day. Awesome. Now, before we finish up, uh, Dale, I want to, I want to ask you one thing about, you know, for everybody out there who's listening to this right now and they're, they're really, really wanting to do more than just, you know, build a business, but actually build a business that matters. What, one or two tips do you have for them before we before we let go today? Yeah, um, I mean, a couple things is just because you can uh, doesn't mean you should, um, and just because it's smart doesn't mean it's right. And those two those two questions or statements, I, I guess, have guided me in a long way of of making good decisions. And it, it makes you think before you make decisions, and and especially you know, remember that every decision we make affects somebody else. Um, so as a business leader, I think it's important to ask that. And, you know, it, and ultimately it's, you know, what got you here is not going to get you there. And so we have to always be growing. We have to constantly be changing. And I remember this, I thought, oh gosh, like I built a $10 million company. Like, what do I got to do to do something next? Like, what's next? Like, how do I even get to that mentality and that type of thinking? The people over profit philosophy, I think is something that's really helping me get there to make sure that, you know, that I, I am continuing to grow on this journey. And then the last thing I'll say is, Building these these deep relationships uh, as a CEO is is really important as a as a business owner because um, I mean experience alone doesn't make you better at anything, um, mm-hmm. but experiencing deep vulnerable relationships does. I remember a friend who came up to me and said self evaluation is helpful, but evaluation from someone else is essential. And I thought, okay, mm-hmm. like I got to remember this because uh, I needed someone to be like iron sharpens iron. I needed someone to literally like give me the 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 Dale you got a booger on your face moment. And, uh, you know, it's always an awkward moment when you have to tell someone they have a booger in their face, right? So um, I had a, I, I dove into vulnerable, transparent, awkward, humiliating leadership relationships with mentors. It, it allowed me to see the vision, to look in the mirror with clarity on how my behavior affected other people. And whether it's, the, you know, my one employee, my five employees, my two customers, whatever it might be, my wife. Um, you know, and I remember the day that he came up to me and he says, Dale, you know, he looked me in the eye and he says, Dale, you hurt people and you don't even, you don't even see it. Wow. And I thought, oh God, like, and he, he told me the stories about, about these things that I would continue to do to people. And I thought, oh my gosh, I left a wake of destruction. And so learning, I, you know, I think it qualifies me to write this book called People Over Profit because it's a struggle that I've, all, that I've dealt with and I still deal with. And um, to look at people in our businesses and to use those people to, to ultimately, you know, we're, our companies aren't parts, right? They're people. So to grow those businesses, just treating people well has been been the greatest uh, asset for me in my position, at least. I mean, that's something I take to heart because I am starting to grow a team myself too. And, uh, you know, making so, sure they're happy, 
uh, is is my top priority. And when they do that, they're they're happy to do the work that they need to do, even though it's not always work that is necessarily the most enjoyable. Not saying that what I'm doing or making them do is is bad, but you know it can be hard sometimes and stressful. Sure. But that relationship is definitely what helps keep people moving forward. That's for sure. Absolutely, I love that. Dale, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And again, you mentioned a link where people can get a special deal. Can you talk about what that deal is really quick? Yeah. So if you go to peopleoverprofit.com uh, forward slash SPI, uh, you can get my uh, a copy of my book, um, buy it there at the store and uh, the store on the site. And uh, you can come back and enter your receipt number. Um, and we'll actually, there's a little spot there you'll see on the, on the website where you can enter your receipt number. And you're going to get a copy of my ebook, People Matter. Uh, which is a great uh, a great book. I actually don't like to to put some of these you know bonuses with a book that aren't as good as the book. And I would say that this ebook is just as good as the book. Uh, there's a private podcast with me talking about the deeper questions, and there's a couple training videos that I discuss three minute training leadership tips that you're going to get for free as well. Um, I, I was selling them for about two hundred bucks for this little kit. You're going to get it for free. That's awesome. Thank you, Taylor. We really appreciate that. And then, as far as finding you online, where should we go? At Dale Partridge on uh, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. The, you know, it's pretty easy to find me. I'm, uh, I'm everywhere. And Pinterest is actually one of my main things. So you can find me, the, the manly man on Pinterest. <laughs> awesome, Dale. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap. Nice. Dale, thank Dude, you that, so much. That was really good, man. Hey, thank you. Wow. Thank you again for listening to today's interview with Dale Partridge. Again, you can find him at peopleoverprofit.com slash SP. Uh, and you can grab his book. It's an amazing read. And it, it, it's just one of those books that helps you think much bigger and, and, and shows you that there's so much more to do than just crunching the numbers and thinking about profit and money. But there are a lot of people out there that need help who we can help, all of us. So again, check them out, dalepartridge.com slash SPI. I also want to thank today's sponsors, Audiobooks. Dot com. You can get started with a 30-day free trial because, you know, like me, you're probably busy. You're obviously listening to podcasts, and you can download information into your brain through audiobooks. I, I actually listen to most of my books. I don't read them just because it's a lot quicker, and I can do it on the go. So I listen through audiobooks.com, and what's cool is they have a special deal specifically for SPI listeners. If you go to audiobooks.com slash SPI, you can get a 30-day free trial. You can download one of any of their books for free and test that out. And you'll also get the audio version of my book, Let Go, exclusively here on audiobooks.com. Plus, you'll be entered into a drawing to win three months of audiobooks, which gives you a new credit for a brand new book every month. So go ahead and check it out. Go to audiobooks.com slash SPI. Again, audiobooks.com slash SPI. Hey, really quick, I wanna let you know about a page on the website that might be really helpful for you. A lot of you are already taking action on what you've heard on the podcast, which is fantastic, but a lot of you have also messaged me asking for more, deeper information, more fine-tuned and highly targeted information for specific problems and pains that you might be having. So what I did was I actually put together a few courses. There's more courses actually coming down the road, uh, but you could check out all the courses and things that are available to you there at smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. My team and I have worked really hard to put together the best information that'll help you solve specific problems that you might be having in your business. So if you're just starting out and you need help and you need accountability, handholding, you want a community behind this as well, check it out. Smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You can see what's available there. All different kinds of courses to help you through a number of different things you might be working on. And like I said, there are more courses coming down the road too. So one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses.
Thanks again for listening in. All the links and resources are over at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 160. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 160. And I can't wait to serve you in the next episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. See you next week. Cheers and keep crushing it. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.